Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 375 of the Box Hard Podcast, also known as the 2022 Christmas Special. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by a former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, man? And Merry Christmas. I'm doing well, my man, and uh, Merry Christmas to you. How you been feeling this week? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. It's the same every week. It's even it's even better during the festive period. Like I say, um, it is the Christmas special. Every year we try to do something a little bit different, maybe a little bit quirky. I might even go as far to say. But um, yeah, we, we, we do things slightly differently on the Christmas special. There's usually not really many fights to review or preview. There are some to review this, this week, and we'll get to that in a moment. But the special uh, guest on this week's show is a very special guest. It's former world champion Clinton Woods. Um, we did about about an hour, maybe just over an hour, an in-depth interview about his entire career. So that's really good. We did that earlier, uh, or I should say I did that earlier this week. So that'll be what closes the show out. But before we get into that, of course, we're going to start with the review part of the show, part one. Um, And then right after part one, or right after the review part, Eddie has some news, which... Yeah, that's his gift to you, his Christmas gift to you. We'll get into just after the review part. And then that'll be that for part one. And then in part two, like I say, I think there may be one or two pieces of news at the moment. And then we'll go straight in with the Clinton Woods interview. That is the Christmas special guest 2022. Merry Christmas to you all once again. And let's dive straight into that review part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that took place last Friday, December 16th at the Centre Gervais Auto in Quebec, Canada over here, oh, it was a big upset, Eddie, it really was, we saw Mary Spencer, um, she was 7-0, undefeated, it was for the vacant IBO World Super Welterweight title, uh, this lady here um, had been calling out Clarissa Shields in the pros, you know, she she felt that she could be the, the, the lady to beat Clarissa, um, I hadn't seen her fight before, I've got to be totally honest, but apparently they fought in the amateurs, and obviously Clarissa won, and you know, Mary Spencer was saying, hey, I, I I think I've got the style to beat her in the pros. She got in there with Femke Hermans, who was 13-4. and four. It's a respectable record, really, but she's always kind of been an opponent. I don't think she's got many kind of standout wins. Um, I know her for losing fights, to be honest with you. So I, I was under the impression that she actually had a losing record, but no, she was 13-4. and four, But like I say, her big fight, she's lost. Um... She, she's been in there with Savannah Marshall, got stopped by her in in her only stoppage defeat, and she also lost on points to Clarissa Shields. Those are her two biggest fights. Anyway, she gets in with Mary Spencer. Now, in terms of betting, you had to bet £25 or $25 to just win $1 slash pound back on top. So that's how sure the bookies were that she was going to win. 
So I put together an accumulator slash parlay, as you guys call it in the States, and it was, I, I did three different ones, okay? One of them, like it had loads and loads of different picks, obviously, boxing picks. One of them I felt was quite safe, one was a little bit adventurous, and the other one was quite, quite adventurous, to be honest. Now, in all three of those accumulators slash parlays, I had Mary Spencer to win. One was just to win. It was simply just to win, which, of course, as I say, was 1 to 25. Uh, The other one was Mary Spencer to win by knockout because she was coming off two first-round knockouts and the bookies expected her to win by knockout. And then the other one was for Mary Spencer to win on points. So one of those knockout or points were going to die immediately depending on which outcome she had. Um, anyway, obviously it goes a distance. She doesn't get her out in the first round, so the bookies were, were wrong with that. But it goes a distance, and Mary Spencer loses her O, loses for the first time in her career against Femke Hermans, pretty much loses every single round, to be honest with you, which was just a complete shock. So that loss there screwed up everything. And yes, the 30-1 to 1 parlay would have came in if Mary Spencer <laughs> would have got the decision, if she'd have got the knockout, I think it would have been about 21 to 1. And if she would have just won on points, oh, sorry, no, just won by any method, it would have been 9 to 1 or something. So everything else came in and she <laughs> she screwed it up. But um, a good win for Femke Hermans, now 14 and 4. Mary Spencer, 7 and 1. Um, I think Mary Spencer's quite up there in age as well, so it's a real tough one to take for her because if, if you're losing to Femke Hermans, it's a tough position to be in. Elsewhere on the card, the main event, we knew it was going to end early. I said it, I thought it was going to end within five rounds. Uh, deep down, I thought it was going to end within one or two. And yeah, Makhmadov, Arslan back Makhmadov, now 16 and 0 with 15 KOs. Uh, Michael Wallish, I think he was down about three or four times in that first round. Um, too slow, you know. Even though he'd gone over one or two rounds with Joe Joyce and others like that. Makhmadov's quite explosive, and he came to try and get him out immediately. And, and Wallish, now 23-6, and six, um, retired on his store at the end of round one. It was for the NABA and NABF heavyweight titles. Easy win for Makhmadov. It was always going to be that way. Uh, moving out now to France at the Parc des Expositions in Nantes. Over here, we saw Christian and Billy move to 23-0. and A unanimous decision over 10 rounds against very, very tough Vaughan Alexander. Still only been stopped the one time, which was to Zach Parker. He's now 17-7 and with a draw. That one was one of the biggest calls of the weekend on points for for Christian and Billy you could triple I think maybe even almost quadruple your money on Christian and Billy to win on points I picked it I didn't see anyone else pick it I saw people saying he's going to stop Vaughan Alexander within two rounds or three rounds I said hmm I think it's going to go to points and yes, it did. It was a really, really good shout from myself. I'm just giving myself a little pat on the back there. But yeah, Christian and Billy, um, good fighter, obviously, explosive as well. Um, you know, I think he hurt he hurt his leg or something towards the, you know, the back end of the fight. But Vaughn Alexander, I mean, he's teak tough. Like, yeah, he got stopped by Zach Parker. 
no shame in that. Zach Parker is a quality fighter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good win for him, Billy. He, he, he banks the rounds there. But yeah, Vaughn Alexander just is so tough and so hard to stop. He's just one of those guys. And also on the card, Salomon Sissoko. I didn't get to see this fight, but he's now 16-0. and A majority decision against Talani and Benge, now 19-2. and That one was for the vacant WBC silver welterweight title. Um yeah, I expected Sissoko to win that fight. Uh, the bookies had it close, and I think the fight was close, but I think he may have just nicked it from what people were saying. Moving out now to Germany, Eddie, and we're going here to the Firat Arslan Sports Centre. The promoter of the show was Firat Arslan, and Eddie, who boxed in that main event, baby? He did. <laughs> <laughs> Firat Arslan now 53 and 9 with three draws. A TKO in round two against Jackson Dos Santos now 22 and 15. I don't really care what kind of opposition level Arslan's getting in with, but you know, we, we do know that um, he'll be getting a free bus pass very soon. And the fact that he's still banging out people that could be, you know, uh, it's getting to that point now where he, he's beating people who not only could be his son, but could be his grandson. I mean, that's that's how bad it's getting, but I love it, and we love a freak show in boxing. We always have done. <laughs> Moving out now to the Bournemouth International Centre in Dorset, United Kingdom. Let's start with this one. This was a mad card, really. Um, Michael McKinson, friend of the show, bounced back well after losing to Virgil Ortiz last time out. A points win over six rounds there. He's now 23-1. and one. Uh, That win was against Roberto Ariaza, who's now 19-5. and five. Caroline Dubois, um, I half thought that perhaps she would go the distance here. It was only a six-rounder, six two-minute rounds, obviously, with, with the women. Um, and she got in there with Sofia Rodriguez, who hadn't really boxed anyone of elite level, but was I think she was five and seven. She'd never been stopped. Anyway, Caroline Dubois continues to get these these knockouts, and um, it, it it really brings excitement to the to the female side of the sport because she seems to be a real exciting prospect. Now five and zero, oh, a knockout in the very first round there against Sofia Rodriguez, who, like I say, I don't believe had ever been stopped. So that's a statement there that there really for Caroline Dubois. Um, I think she's going to have a massive twenty twenty three. I mean, <laughs> they could honestly rush her into a world title shot. I think that she. Uh, is is more than capable to do big things in the sport, but obviously you don't want to you don't really want to rush her. I don't think if if uh, the promoters are not entirely sure of it, because you know I think she can be built into something quite special. Um, we saw this one; it was a weird one on the card. Corey Gibbs now seventeen and one. He loses his O to Jimmy First, who had about ten days' notice. I think he was forty one years of age. He was thirteen and O as a pro. Um, it was only an eight rounder. Now, Corey Gibbs had a mouthpiece, Eddie. You wouldn't have seen the fight, but his mouthpiece did not fit in his mouth. It was too small. I should say it didn't fit in his mouth. It didn't fit his mouth. It did, of course, fit in, but it was not the right fit. Um, this gum shield came out, honestly, countless times. It came out quite a few times. The referee said, okay, I'm going to take a point if it comes out again. Then it came out again. He took a point in round four. Then it came out again. He took a point in round five. Then it came out again. He took a point in round six. This guy had 
three points took off for losing his gum shield and it wasn't because he was in trouble or anything it was just flying out of his mouth every time he opened his mouth to have a breather it was crazy and he's lost his o in that fashion this was a young guy on the come up who i think had won some sort of little tournament and things were looking good i said last week i think he was from wales i think he's actually from birmingham so a huge huge mistake on my part there but to lose his o pretty much because his gum shield kept coming out because it didn't fit properly wow crazy i think other than that he would have probably won the fight but jimmy first did uh, bring it to him so credit to him you know he put the pressure on and stuff like that which you're supposed to do and he didn't really tire either to be honest considering you know the fight had gone eight rounds and he didn't have much notice credit to him but yeah what a, what a sickener really for Corey gibbs i bet on this fight in play i bet on uh, Jimmy first to get the win because all these points were coming off and yet in play Corey Gibbs was still the favorite and I was thinking it was getting to the point where it was mathematically impossible to give Gibbs the the, the fight anyway whatever that was nice to win a few easy bucks um Chris Billum Smith with whew, arguably knockout of the year a late contender for it for sure he's now 17 and one a knockout for him in round five against Armand Zokaj who's now 14 and three this guy was relatively unknown a lot of people felt that Chris Billum Smith was just going to walk through him when you look at his record but apparently the training team of Chris Billum Smith obviously the likes of Shane McGuigan um, they they had quite quite um understood the risks that this this opponent would bring and they thought it was it was not going to be a fight where they were going to just walk through this guy um and yeah he really put it on chris billam smith landed a few shots hurt chris billam smith visibly and chris billam smith was a massive favorite with the bookies a huge huge favorite and when we saw those first few rounds it was it was a bit kind of head-scratching as to why he was that big of a favourite, because he didn't look great. Obviously, we had Richard Riatpour ringside. He said he'd get, I think, Chris Billum Smith out within about three rounds. Based on that showing, you'd have to say, mm, he, he could be onto something. But nonetheless, it was a fantastic knockout. It really was. I can't even remember the shot what hurt him. Um initially but yeah it was it was terrible it was one of those shots where you know he landed this huge shot i think it was an uppercut and the guy just froze and then kind of in slow motion drooped down fell backwards boom boom with the head on the on the canvas it was quite a scary one um you know the ambulance were in there real quick obviously they're brilliant in this country with stuff like that chris Willem smith telling the crowd to calm down obviously they were all celebrating like mad because it was it was a brilliant way to to end what was quite a I don't want to say 50-50 fight, but, you know, a nip and tuck kind of fight. And the main event, um, I don't think it was the main event in terms of the billing uh, order. But anyway, Dan Aziz now 18-0. and 0. Um, A TKO in round 8 for him against Rocky Fielding now 30-3. and 3. It's a great scalp for Dan Aziz. You know, we didn't know what Rocky Fielding had left. Um, you know... As I said on last week's show, he'd only lost to Callum Smith and Canelo. No shame in those at all. He had never lost at this kind of level. He'd proven he was pretty much, you know, above this kind of level if we're talking about British titles, which I should mention. Obviously, the British was on the line, so was the Commonwealth. But yeah, Fielding, you know, he'd been quite inactive and he'd fought really poor opposition for about four years. So we never knew if he had much left. Dan Aziz was obviously well up for the fight. There was a few moments there where Rocky was on the ropes and they were exchanging and Rocky was landing some good shots. And, you know, you were hoping that maybe they were going to get to the center of the ring and exchange instead. But Rocky did, for me, spend 
a bit too long on those ropes and I guess trying to draw Dan in and maybe try and get him to you know walk onto a shot or get countered or whatever but it just didn't work and in the end um yeah Rocky was down in round seven um and and his his corner threw the towel in in round eight he was also cut as well over his left eye didn't look great I think a lot of people are saying he should probably hang the gloves up now he hasn't took tons of punishment in his career either that's the mad thing when you think about it. he was stopped in a round by Callum Smith um he was stopped on body shots by Canelo and he he hasn't took much damage to be honest with you even this fight he didn't really take much damage but um yeah you know he failed to make the weight as well that that kind of made people question how how um, motivated he was. Was it just one last payday on Sky? But anyway, you know, the titles weren't on the line for him. Aziz defended his title, the British, and also won the Commonwealth. So great stuff for him. He ends the year on a high. And to be honest with you, we're going to do the awards, the end of year awards on next week's show. But he he is actually a name in the hat for British Fighter of the Year, I think. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for next week's show for all of those things. Um Moving out now to the final card to mention. It took place at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in Las Vegas, Nevada. It was live on Showtime on the undercard. Friend of the show he was on last week. Uh, Kenny Sims Jr. now 19-2 and with a draw. A TKO for him in round five against Rock Murphy, who's now 17-2. and uh, We saw... Bakram Murtazaliev moved to 21-0, and a points win for him over eight rounds against Roberto Valenzuela Jr., who's now 24-4. and um, Jose Uzcategui, now 32-5, and he lost um, a, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds to the undefeated Vladimir Shishkin, now 14-0. and And the main event, Michel Rivera, now 24-1, and he lost his O. He's the midget Muhammad Ali. He lost his O to Frank Martin, who's now 17-0. Rivera down in round seven, but a majority... Sorry, not majority. Unanimous decision for Frank Martin. Um, He was the narrow favourite. It was close with the bookies, but Martin was the narrow favourite, and he was able to etch it out um, a bit bit too good for Rivera, really. Uh, A lot of people were kind of kicking Rivera while he was down on, on social media and stuff, felt that was a little bit harsh, you know, you've got to give him credit, he stepped in with another undefeated fighter, they both put it on the line, you know, no belt on the line or nothing as far as I was aware, and um, you've got to give him credit for, you know, showing his, his, his balls there and getting in with someone like that, who people felt in the trade he would lose to, and he did, so credit to him, he came up short, but it is what it is. Anyway, that wraps up the review part of the show. So uh, just before we end part one, Eddie, you've got a gift to give the listeners. There's some news. There's some news. We've been talking about it for years, but it's finally arrived just before Christmas. Tell us, what is the score? Oh, man, I, I, I hope this is a gift. I guess for people who've been supporting me for you know, Everyone a long time. Everyone that listens to this show supports you, Eddie. It goes without saying. That's 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 no no doubt about it and I'm, they're all appreciated and hopefully this is a gift for both of us and you know give me an opportunity to get back out there and see what the world of boxing has for me again and see if there's a a possibility of a of a late resurgence you know what i mean to 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 maybe not i this this fight that i'm going to have which is going to be on the 6th of january is just a little taste of to kind of see where i'm at i mean i've been training i've been sparring i've been doing those things and um i really don't feel that different with the exception of 
you know, obviously got to get back in fight shape type thing. You know what I mean? But for the most part, I mean, I don't really feel any different than I did when I was doing this at a much younger age. You know, even, you know, no different than, you know, six years ago at, at, at 34 when I fought, or 35, I guess it was at the time. It was, uh, uh, I just turned 35. Um, you know, so it, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's a trial run for me. I want to see how I feel under the lights again. It's been so long and, you know, sparring is, and is, is, is a lot different from fighting. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you feel good in sparring, typically you're going to do well in the fight once things start to get moving, but there is a need to get in the ring and, you know, spend some time in the ring, you know, as in a fight format with the lights on, with the crowd there, with, with, you know, with the expectations, all of these things in order for you to get the true feel and to honestly know exactly where you're going to go for a person like me of 40 years old, going to be 41 soon. I want to make sure that, you know, this is something that I still can do at a high level, because if I don't, if I'm not going to go and try to fight at a high level, there's no point in doing it for me. Of course, these, you know, these, these fights with this trailer and, you know, these Jake Paul possibilities to make a nice payday and all of that sounds awesome. Sounds fun. And if I get one of those, I'm not, going to turn it down but the idea for me is to still compete and competition for me is what you know i love competition i you know what i've been doing recently obviously i've been doing it for most you know for most of my life i love to play basketball pick up and different stuff like that and playing leagues so that's been keeping that drive going but to get in there and put it all on the line you know putting life and limb on the line too you know this is something that you know, it has to be a, a lucrative situation. Situation. It has to make sense that way, but it also has to make sense, um, you know, in how I'm going to perform. Because I don't want to get out there looking bad and, you know, give a a terrible, you know, uh, last appearance, I guess, in the ring. So, and if that's to happen, you know, that's going to be it for me. But all things considered, I, I like I said, I still feel good, and I'm ready to go. Um, come the sixth, and hopefully, this is just the start of it. And some great things are to come. There we go. I don't know if anyone was expecting that, but Eddie ends his uh, his his inactivity. Almost seven years since we've seen Eddie in a pro ring. He's back, as he says there. July sixth, it's going down in in Wyoming. So um, yeah, just one fight to see where he's at, as I, he says. Go on. I would love if it was July sixth. Did I say July? Oh, sorry, January. I'm sorry. I can't be. I can't be nitpicking you on your show, Joe. My bad. But no, dude, no, it's awesome. January sixth. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? Go on. For some reason, I always want to say August. I've been wanting to say. I'm, That's even looking worse. So that doesn't even begin with a January. I, I know. That's why I'm like, why do I want to keep saying August? But it's you know, we're just looking forward to the summer. That's all. You know, that's what we're doing. There we go. So I, I rephrase it. Uh, January the 6th in Wyoming yeah return to the ring for Eddie after almost seven years out so yeah man it's gonna be crazy there's a gift there and uh, I'm sure the listeners or most of them weren't expecting that one to come but anyway that brings part one to a close we'll see you in part two okay now it's time for part two on this week's podcast 
the Christmas special 2022 um, part one and part two pretty much were separated there by about five seconds of air. So um, I'm not entirely sure I thought that one through, but that was part one we just did. In part two, uh, we're going to start with the news part of the show. There's two things to mention, I believe. Um, it's a it's a huge shame, actually, for Archie Sharp, but I'm going to go ahead with this piece of news anyway. You're going to understand what I'm talking about. February 3rd, um, Emmanuel Navarrete steps in with Liam Wilson for the WBO uh, Super Featherweight World title. Um, Oscar Valdez, I think, either got ill or was injured or something, and yeah, he was forced out of the fight with Navarrete. In steps Liam Wilson, who was supposed to fight Archie Sharp on the Charlo 2 undercard. Um, Archie Sharp obviously ranked number one, and he's totally confused as to why he wasn't given the shot. He's been number one, I think, for for almost two years, um, or maybe two years. And um, yeah, Liam Wilson, you know, who was supposed to be fighting Sharp in, a, in an eliminator, has somehow leapfrogged him and got a shot here on February 3rd. So, of course, he's pulled out the fight with Sharp to go after this world title, and Sharp's been frozen out and doesn't understand why. So, it's, it's a crazy situation. Um, Elsewhere on that undercard, by the way, we're going to see Jose Pedraza get in there with Arnold Barboza Jr. That would be quite interesting. Uh, Richard Torres Jr. as well uh, on the card. Also, we're going to see, um, I think, maybe one or two of the Fernando Vargas sons and also Nico Ali Walsh. And that one is to go down on, yeah, Friday, February the 1st. It's a Friday night there. Um, And it takes place at the... Uh, what arena is it again? The uh, the Desert Diamond Arena, which is in Glendale, Arizona. Tickets start at just $25. Nice and cheap there. Um, tickets are on sale now as well. So, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, this other piece of news as well we must mention. January the 21st at the AO Arena in Manchester. As far as I was aware, Michael Hunter was supposed to be fighting Joseph Parker, but that isn't happening. Um, Joseph Parker's now getting in with Jack Massey, which is crazy. Jack Massey, you know, a cruiserweight who has got one extremely controversial loss to Richard Riakbor. That's his only loss. It was super controversial. I think he was he was um, I think he slipped and it was called a knockdown, and then that actually cost him the fight. Something mad like that, if my memory serves me right. It was really controversial. He's been mismanaged horrendously ever since then. He's had terrible fights, you know, in in car parks and stuff. Like, I just don't understand what's going on. No one's picked him up. He needs to be with a big promoter. He's a really good fighter. And here he is, moving up to heavyweight in his first fight at the weight. And he's fighting Joseph Parker, a former titleist. This is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous matchmaking. And to me, it looks like a cash grab. And I don't so much blame the fighter I actually blame his his management team and it, and his advisor for actually saying that this is a good move for him this is dangerous and I'm not a fan of it but that's an undercard fight by the way uh, the main event obviously is um um Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr and also on the undercard as well we're going to see um Richard Riakpour get in with former world champion Christoph Glowacki who is 32 and 3 that's a good fight there for Richard Riakpour I really like that one but yeah, um, madness, man. That that Jack Messi, that Jack Massey fight um, against against Joseph Parker is crazy. Obviously, Parker, a friend of the show, but that's just it's just crazy to me. Um, yeah. Anyways, 
anyway, that is it for the news part of the show. Um, like I said, there's nothing at all to preview, so I'm just going to say this is your last chance, your last uh, vocal warning from myself or vocal piece of notice to say that next week is our end of year special. On that show there, we're going to be going over the Box Hard Podcast official awards of 2022 so you can join in. Again, I've said this before, this is your last chance to, to, to be a part of that show and we're going to read out every single entry. Myself and Eddie are going to dissect the entries and here are the awards. I want to read them all out one by one. We're doing um, Fighter of the Year 2022. We're doing Young Fighter of the Year 2022. They have to be 25 or under. We're going with Knockout of 2022, Upset of 2022, British Fighter of 2022. I don't want anyone to send in a world-level British fighter. I don't want anyone to send in Tyson Fury or anyone on that world level. It, It needs to be domestic kind of level, maybe slightly above that maybe European level but who you think is British fighter of the year I mentioned earlier on Dan Aziz I think he's in for a shout Um, we're going with female fighter of 2022 prospect of 2022 fight of the year 2022 there's 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 quite a few uh, good fights that have happened this year Uh, we might do trainer of the year you can send that in we can talk about that and also if you want to send in your pound for pound list but only do it if you're brave because we're going to be quite harsh and uh, we're going to, you know, going to analyze what you've sent in. Pound for pound list, top 10 from 1 to 10, 1 being the best fighter, 10 being the 10th best fighter. Myself and Eddie, I'm sure, are looking forward to doing next week's show where we go over all those things there. Um, so, like I say, send them in to us on Twitter at BoxHardPodcast or at ChampFastEddie. Where um, yeah, we've we've both tweeted things out and had you know a bunch of people reply. So I've screenshotted everything. We're going to be reading out all those tweets on next week's show, which will be like I say, the end of year special. But anyway, that's about it really in terms of me rambling on for the for the Christmas special. Um, the final thing to do, of course, is to bring in this week's Christmas special guest or this year's Christmas special guest, which will be Clinton Woods. Uh, before we bring him in, Eddie, if you just want to, I'm going to just let you close with a message to the listeners, um, which I never do. So you can just sign out. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a blast. It's been, you know, I think a full year now since you've pretty much done every week with me. And here's the Christmas special of 2022 coming to a close. Uh, honestly, Joe, I just wanted to thank all the listeners to, you know, for supporting the show, obviously supporting us, you know, um, supporting uh, boxing. That's that's uh, that's a big thing. I mean, you know, the sport has grown uh, a lot recently with, you know, with a lot of the sideshows and all that. And it's nice to see that there's fans that are actually fans of the core boxing, like the guys that work their entire lives to to get on TV or even off TV just to entertain people putting their lives on the line. It's, it's awesome to see that. Um, we appreciate you. Uh, obviously, the show is – we want to grow and get to get bigger and better. And um, I uh, – and I, and I – and honestly, I have – I'm enjoying being a part of it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one day out of the week. Sometimes – you know, you know, you look forward to it. You want to talk about what's happened during the week of boxing. If if you watch it, like sometimes with me, I'm not constantly always able to see everything because I'm doing so many things and now training as well. 
So it's nice. And then what I'm actually really started to really, really enjoy about it is that I get so much information about some of the fighters that I haven't seen that I can actually now go and look for. You know what I mean? See, so these pod, podcasts like this exist, and it helps so much with your knowledge of boxing. Not just, you know, obviously not the left hooks and right hands, but more so in in ways like of the knowledge of the fighters. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've been involved in boxing since I was 14 uh, in competition and nine since I learned. And I think that I've heard so many names from fighters across the world, uh, even, you know, before, but now it's grown exponentially just from being in dealings with obviously you, Joe, and in, in, in the podcast, just been hearing all these names of these people from different parts of the country that I never even heard of. Some people, some, some fighters who I probably would never hear of because they aren't, you know, uh, of that level, but they've done, you know, uh, uh, some some things with you, Joe, and they've been a friend of the show. So we've we've actually had a chance to talk to them, and and I and I like that. I really like what this what this show has created. And obviously, if if not for the supporters of the show, then it wouldn't exist. So, um, and you know, now that I'm back into the fighting thing, and you know, I'm, I'm obviously very appreciative to the people that support me, along with people who support the show, and all in all, it, like I said, it's been a, it's been a, it's also been a great year of boxing continue to support everything within boxing and the show and uh you know we we can do great things and i'm i'm looking forward to 2023 there we go a longer message from eddie than i expected there but that that is as good as it's gonna get i did want eddie to sing merry christmas this week to everyone but of course he turned me down um, uh, I, I, I think i might do that no 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 i'm not gonna do that Joe. <laughs> i'm not gonna ruin everybody's christmas you exactly know I mean? exactly and i mean one thing one one little fact about eddie that people don't know is eddie um he, he loves to secretly try to speak Spanish at every opportunity he gets. So I think he was leaning more towards singing Feliz Navidad instead of... Uh, Feliz Navidad. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I, hey, listen, man. I'm working on it, man. I'm getting better. You know, but, but not the singing, but just better with the Spanish. <laughs> I'm not the singing at all. There we go. We got half a chorus out of him there. That's as good as it's going to be. Um, thankfully, he, he didn't ruin Christmas and carry on with that chorus, of course. But that is it. Merry Christmas to you all. Enjoy this interview with former IBF light heavyweight world champion Clinton Woods. And I'll talk to you guys after the interview. Enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF light heavyweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Clinton Woods. Clinton, welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure, Clint. So, first things first, I'd like to start this interview the same way I start all interviews I do like this. Um, where did your journey begin, Clinton? What's your earliest memory of ever putting on a pair of gloves for the first time? Uh, first time I put gloves on was uh, Christmas morning. And uh, it's quite funny because with this, this seven year old, seven kids, uh, five boys, two girls, and all boys got football kits. And uh, our seven-year-old, and I woke up, and I didn't have no football boots or football kit. I had a pair of boxing gloves and shorts, which were a bit strange, really, because I don't know why I was singled out to be a boxer. Um, like I said, I was only seven-year-old, so, but that's my first memory of putting a pair of gloves on. <laughs> I like to ask that question. Um, 
obviously you eventually you know started competing obviously uh you know you, you were competing as an amateur am i right in saying you had just under 70 fights as an amateur clinton yeah i, I think i had about i started um I started seven year old at a gym and my first fighter was eleven year old. Uh and I think I had sixty seven fights uh, as an amateur. Uh, I packed amateur in when I think I might have had one fight at sixteen. I never boxed senior, I it was always junior. Okay. Uh, so I I I I had like sixty seven in four or five years. So I wouldn't I wouldn't like junior the the Yorkshire's every year, regionals and uh, I lost to the eventual champions on three or four occasions. Uh, but it was tough times then. There were no buys. <laughs> you see a lot of amateurs now where they get buys, more or less two or three buys. There were no buys. I would like find twice a, twice a day sometimes in, uh, in amateurs. Uh, it was quite tough to win a Yorkshire. Um, not saying it isn't now, but back in the day, they were, like I say, it, 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 were, it were a tough cut to get to win a Yorkshire. And Clinton, did you have like a like a highlight moment of the amateurs? Can you single down maybe your favourite memory of of being an amateur? Yeah, my favourite memory of being an amateur. Uh, it was uh, I think I don't know if it was Yorkshire Select or Sheffield Select. Uh, I think it was Yorkshire Select. We got, went to box uh, Wales. We boxed in a place called Ronda. And I can always remember it. I think I was one of the oldest ones. We were, all, we were all juniors. I think I was like one of the oldest ones. And when you don't line up to win. To go in the, in the before before the fights, like exchange a flag, we exchange a flag, and when kid who I exchange flag, flag to look like Ivan Drago, <laughs> and uh, Nazim were on our team, and everybody's saying to me, "Oh my God, you're going to get hammered, you're going to get hammered," and Naz Naz were like going, "No, you're going to hammer him, you're going to hammer him, you're I swear you're going to be." Anyway, I knocked him out in the second round, which is unusual <laughs> to knock someone out as an amateur. I stopped loads as an amateur, but I actually knocked him out in the second round and. Uh, that's one of my highlights of yeah, that's a, career. That's a good one, man. Excellent. And obviously, moving on to your pro career, Clint, and you made your pro debut in Sheffield on a Thursday. Thursday, November 17th, 1994. Uh, you boxed Dave oh, Proctor. Uh, you won on points yeah. over six rounds. Dave Proctor, by the way, never fought again. But what do you remember about your debut, Clinton? Well, my debut, I was 22. I haven't been... I'd only been training about five or six months. Uh... I had, I had put a glove on from fifteen, from sixteen year old to twenty two, so um, it was quite a long break. I just, I was getting into that much trouble. I was working, but I was getting into that much trouble. I thought I decided to go into a gym and keep fit. That's the only reason why I went into a gym, not to turn professional. Uh, and my manager, after a few months, just said to me, "Because why don't you box professional?" So I said, "Yeah." So that's how it happened. It was quite an unusual way of me turning professional. Like I said, I only went into boxing just to keep fit and get me out of a bit of trouble. Um, plus, I was playing pool one day, and one of my mates got in my tits, and he went, "God, they're coming on now." So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the reasons. That's the only reason why I started, went back to a gym. Uh, and I had, my, I had my first fight within, like I said, within three or four months of walking back into a gym. Uh, a box proctor, who was he was quite a tough kid actually. I think he had, I think he had about five fights. Did he five fights? Maybe one or two, and lost two. Um, but the funny thing about the fight is I never knew I was going to box, box uh, pro. I mean, manager said to me, he goes, have you got some shorts? And I was like, this going, I went, yeah, I'll get some. I'll sort it, don't worry. And the day before the fight, I had no shorts. So uh, I went to the market down, down in Sheffield and uh, I bought some corduroy. 
And uh, my girl, my girlfriend at the time's grandma just just made these shorts up for me. <laughs> they were absolutely. You, they went, oh my god, they were right. I felt so embarrassed trying them on. I put I put them on and I boxed in them. Uh, but they were they was horrendous. I never used them again. <laughs> yeah, but, but that but that would have start that would have started my career. It, it was weird because I sold loads of tickets because I was a bit of a lad round our end. Uh, I, I liked to go out on the on the drink. <laughs> uh, I had five brothers who did the same, so I had quite a big following, um, and everybody loved it. Everybody enjoyed it. So that would have started the, the first fight. Yeah, that's a brilliant backstory. I didn't expect all of that. That was excellent. Uh, obviously, after your debut, you scored uh, three knockout wins in a row, becoming four and zero. In your fifth pro fight, you go to distance again. This time against Kevin Burton. Now you beat him on points over six rounds. You end up fighting him again just four weeks later. Obviously, in the second fight, he dropped you in the second round. Uh, no, two, I didn't. two two questions in one. I was going to say, how come you fought the same guy twice in four weeks? And um, yeah, you you seem like you wasn't too pleased with the, with the knockdown call. <laughs> because the first fight, I boxed him. And I, uh, I'd, already, I'd, I'd been to watch him before, and he were like a bit of a showman, like he were. He were a good kid. Kevin Bateman, a nice kid. I mean, he was a tough, tough lad. And uh, I, I watched him. I thought, hey, I'm going to better box him. I'm going to hammer him. And anyway, on the, on the night in Cleefolks, I boxed him in Cleefolks first. And when I boxed him, uh, I boxed straight to a boxing. I beat him pretty easily on unanimous, but I wanted to stop him. Uh, and then uh, after they, they matched me up with him again. I don't know why they matched me up with him again, tell you the truth, quite early in my career. But they matched me with him again at Frontier Club. Uh, and I boxed him again. <laughs> and he always goes, his claim to fame were knocking me down. I went, you never knock me down. You know you never knock me down. Um, he, t- he turned on my toe. <laughs> and as I was throwing a shot, and I just fell on the floor. My chin was like iron. There's one good thing about my chin. And I, I always said to this day, I did not go down with a I've actually got the fight on the, on video. One day I'm going to get him and put on DVD and I'll show everybody that. He didn't put me down, but it's, it's still his claim to fame, he says. So he put me down, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and if we jump forward now to December 5th, 1997, 25 years ago this month, at the Wembley Arena on the undercard of Pazienza Graham. You were 18-0 and at the time. I know you'd already picked up the Central Area title, but to pick up the Commonwealth title here, which is obviously a major title, tell me what it was like to get your hands on that belt and also the fight itself, obviously a win uh, on points over Mark Mark Baker, probably the toughest fight of your career at that point. Yeah, um, I think I boxed about eight days before in Sheffield and after the, after the, the decision... They just said, uh, do you want to fight next, uh, in a couple of weeks for Commonwealth? And I was like, I just said yes to everything. I didn't say, I never thought about it. All. I just went, yeah, done. Uh, got to fight for Commonwealth down, down there on a big on a big stage. were like, a big thing for me. But I had no nerves in boxing at that time in my career because I was always waiting to lose. And when I lost, I was going to pack in. It was were, it were all just a bit of fun for me. But I, I've, I've told people this before. Boxing at that time was just a little bit of fun. I was earning no money. The money what I was earning were peanuts. I was getting, I was getting more and I was plastering. Um, but I was just enjoying it. The fans were enjoying it. But we were waiting for the for the loss. Um, and we thought maybe the Baker might be in it. Uh, so I got in the ring with him and uh, it was a good fight actually because he was a bit of a, he come forward a bit of brawler. But at that, at that time I was a boxer and I used to move around boxing. 
and I did I did know I'd won. People thought it was really close and not. People thought he'd won, but I knew I'd won. Um, they did pay for eight million in that fight. <laughs> in one of the rounds, uh, it was a good fight, great great experience, and it was just like I might lose the next fight. That's how I thought. That's how I always thought. Oh, it, a long way through my career. That when I lose, I've had my fun and I'll play a finish. And obviously, yeah, you did lose the next fight. Three months later, you're back out defending that Commonwealth title, March 28th, 1998, uh, in Hull at the Ice Arena. Um, yeah, obviously, you were beaten on points over 12 by former British champion and future yeah. two-time world title challenger, David Starry. Um, tell me about that fight and what you remember of it, Clinton. You know, the funny thing about that fight, I, I, I'd been over to spar with Starry. I sparred with him a few times and they were doing like tit for tight. We're like doing no one better than other. Uh, but I saw how he was trained. He was trained by a guy called Gordon. He was doing his nutrition for him. He was doing this for him. I had nobody doing my nutrition. Nobody. I had nobody doing weights for me. I, I, I was a one-man band, really, me and my, me and my trainers. My trainers had never had no champions. I was more or less like their first pro fighter. So we were very inexperienced. And after the after the um, Baker fight, I started taking some stuff called creatine, what a boxer advised me to take. So I started taking creatine, creatine, creatine. And I was just blowing up, blowing up. I didn't realise that it blew you up. So I really struggled to make the weight against Story. Uh, and I always remember on the night of the weighing, I weighed in. I made the weight, but I ran downstairs and I'm at this... I'm at this uh, on these crisps, this, 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 when you put money in and you get like crisps and drinks and biscuits. And I'm just chucking biscuits and crisps down me. And Starry walked down, he said, and he must have seen me and he must have thought, God, that's so amateur. Uh, on the night, I lost on points, but there were nothing in me. There were nothing in me in the fight. And the fight, really, it, it was close-ish. Uh, but I lost and on, his, on his drive home from Hull. I sat him back at car thinking, that's it, finished. I weren't bothered. I weren't. I weren't like gutted. I'd lost. I just thought that's it. I've had a, I've had a good time. I've had a laugh. That's how. I, and that's how I treat my life. That's how I treat my career at, at the time. Yeah, yeah, because I was going to say, obviously, I speak to a load of um, former world champions and stuff, and, you know, a lot of them have got kind of a loss early on, just like you do there, and they they identify that moment as make or break, and it made them most of the time. What do you identify that moment? Is, was it a make or break moment? Uh, well, I knew I had to change from it. I knew I had to change. I was going to finish. I was going to finish boxing. Um, and I just, I just got back in gym. I just started training. Uh, and then, then Dennis just tell me, he says, look, I can get you a fight. At light heavyweight, like a, a, an, an eliminator against an unbeaten kid called Mark Smallwood, who were a good a good amateur. And I think he was something like 13 and 0, 14 and 0. He were, he were a, I think he was a Maloney, a Maloney boxer. So I just said again, I said, yeah, I'll fight, yeah, I'll fight. So I just trained for that fight. Again, no nutritionist, no. I was still doing my own stuff, but making it a light heavyweight, which was 12-7, which... I could make easy. Uh, I took the fight. I took the fight, and it was probably one of the easiest fights in my career. I bashed him. Up. I think I stopped him in about six rounds. It was an easy fight for me, and and then it set me up for the Crawford Ashley fight, which was like a, a massive thing. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Obviously, as you say, after the starry fight, uh, you fought Peter Mason after that. Then you fought Mark Smallwood. Yeah, solid. Um, solid, so, yeah, solid. So, yeah, obviously, you made the move to light heavyweight. You come back with those two stoppage victories to end 1998 on a high. And then, yeah, as you say, your next fight would be March 1999 in Manchester against, in my opinion, probably one of the best, uh, one of the best British fighters of all time to never win a world title, Crawford Ashley. Um, certainly up there for me. But yeah, you box him for his British Commonwealth and EBU European light heavyweight titles. You're able to stop him in round eight. Another brilliant knockout win. Um, tell me about that one, Clinton. Obviously massive. Well, we went to watch him fight. A real, uh, I can't really say the word. We, uh, he fought Tony Booth. But Tony Booth had really trained for the fight. And he took Crawford actually about eight rounds, I think. And we watched the fight and we fought to ourselves. I said to myself, I said to my trainer, I mean, manager Dennis at the time, I went, if I get fit, I'll beat him. And we, we all knew if I wouldn't get super fit, because Tony Booth were doing really well against Crawford, but Tony Booth ran out, ran out, of, ran out of gas and then Crawford stopped him. Yeah. So we just knew that it gonna, we, the fight was going to be hard early on. And the fight was early, hard early on. But in, in the changing rooms, I was buzzing. I, I, I felt as though I was in a no-lose situation. Uh, I had no nerves before the fight. It was weird. Going to the ring, and the first round, he hit me with a right hand and he bust my nose, which I've had a lot of trouble with after the fight. I, uh, I had to have two operations on my nose. Uh, he bust my nose in the first round, and blood were everywhere, but it just fired me up, and I fought right, and I just I just kept at him. But he could punch. Oh, my God. I think in all my career, I would put him in the top three at big punches. He could whack. Uh, and I'm not a boxer who's going to bullshit I do believe I got Crawford Ashley at the right time. I do believe he underestimated me. Uh, I still got to beat him. Uh, uh, and we spoke to him. I spoke to Crawford about it. I said, I do believe I got... He went, no. He went, no. He went, he got me, he got me at a good time for you. He says, for me, because I've trained hard for that fight. He, he did. And I beat him. I beat him on, um, beat him on points. Uh, so I stopped him in about, I think, about nine rounds. Massive, massive, massive win for me. Never thought I'd win British, Commonwealth and European. Uh, probably the biggest night in my career on par with winning a world title. Yeah, it was massive, like I say. Um, was a great fighter in his day. Um, over the next two and a half years, you fought a total of eight times. You won all eight, six by stoppage. In that time, you also made a couple of Commonwealth and European title defences. This was when you got the call to fight your Davis in a WBC eliminator. The fight takes place in your backyard, the Ponds Forge, Sheffield. You beat him unanimously over 12. Um, yeah, tell me about that one as well. Yeah, he were a, he were a tough fighter, tough. really tough. Really um, he, he, the honest, <laughs> he, he was actually the European champion at the time. I'd, I'd vacated the European. I didn't know I'd vacated the European, but I had <laughs> vacated. My manager must have. Vac- I don't know why, but uh, the, the the title were vacated. Uh, so Yowie Davis had just beat Simpson, uh, knocked him out, knocked him out pretty easily in about three rounds. Um, and I was matched up with him. The sparring what I got, he was a, he was a southpaw. Uh, never really sparred with many southpaws. Uh, I knew it was going to be a tough fight, and it were a tough fight. I, I actually watched the fight of other day, and it were a tough fight. God, he were, he were like lead. Uh, <laughs> and we hit each other, and my face were a bit of a mess after. Uh, but I deserved the win. Uh, I do believe if I'd have. If if if, if would have 
could have had like a, a new. I, I don't keep talking about nutritionists and that lot, but I still weren't having nothing like that. I was still playing at my diet, really, and at my weights and everything. I was still playing at everything. Still, I was still playing at boxing, to say the truth. Uh, I believe I stopped him, but it was a good win for me, and it set me up for a world title fight with Roy Jones, yeah. which was like, I never thought it'd happen. I never thought that'd happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Even the day Brad Jacobs come over from America, who we was acting for Roy Jones, and we were told to go and meet him. And I'm, I'm sat there at this meeting, my manager's there, and Brad Jacobs was sat there, and they're talking about me fighting Roy Jones in America. And I'm sat there thinking, Lord of shit. Honest to God, I didn't, didn't think the fight was going to happen. And it didn't happen, didn't happen for a long time. Um, and then I can always remember he, he was making a defence uh, against an Australian. Glenn Kelly and Dennis went right we're going on plane we're going on plane to um, to Miami went to Miami and Roy Jones knocked out Glenn Kelly with like a, a shot where he's on ropes and hits him like from behind yeah. he's like and Kelly went down and that was it and I'm like watching it thinking I'm not going to fight him and I just didn't think it was going to happen and then we had press conference Dennis just went get up get up and I'm not like that kind of fighter anyway get up. so anyway I just stood up I went, Roy, when are you going to fight me? And he went, come up here. Maybe, maybe go and stand on this podium where all these hundreds of people are taking photos. And I've stood there like, and I went, you should fight me. I'm your number one challenger. I've been for, for two years. And he went, right, this is my next opponent. And they were mates, just there and then. I'm like, Jesus. I went home. I'm spending money with my missus. What should we... <laughs> no, I had a good missus. She went like that. Uh, so then I went home and um, the fight were on. It were like unbelievable. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, like we say, after the, uh, the 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 Davis fight, you pick up a quick knockout against Clint Johnson. Then, yeah, you state uh, you you travel to the states September seventh, two thousand and two, in Oregon. You challenge Roy uh, for the WBC, WBA, IBF light heavyweight world titles. I think a couple other minor ones. Um, at that point, Roy Jones was obviously still in his prime. In his prime, he was the closest thing to unbeatable uh, you can almost imagine. Um, ultimately, your corner through the in round six we had Roy on the show in the past and he admitted in his words you'd made him bring his A game that night tell me what you remember about the fight oh God. the fight uh, the training the training were the best we could do for my, my you gotta remember my team were very inexperienced we hadn't boxed for nothing on, not like on this stage it weren't like a Brendan Ingalls camp where we'd been used to this we'd been nothing like this uh, the sporting partners what I'd got were just mediocre sporting partners um, and I I entered the fight confident that I'd give him a good fight and i would be truthful I never thought I'd beat him but I thought I was going to push him I was going to push him I just thought the chin would get me through it and I'd, I'd push him to a I just didn't think I could beat Roy Jones and that would probably be a bit too negative I'd known uh, in the changing rooms it was like a Morgan changing rooms before and I was like, come on, come on, you know. Anyway, everybody was like confident and we got it ringing. And for three rounds, I had a right little go at him. Uh, I caught him. I actually, I think I was about the first person to to mock, mock his face up. He had a few bruises and bumps on his face. Um, I walked back to the corner with my hands up in one of the rounds. And I was like, I thought, God, is this how easy it's going to be? And then anyway, he hit me with a punch. I off. it was third or fourth round. It ribs and he bust my rib. And that was the turning point then. He just kept on going down to ribs and then teeing up, teeing off. 
and the, the to stop the fight, <coughs> rightly so to stop the fight. I think I'd have been bashed up, and it set me up for um, the years to come. I've changed a lot of things after that fight. Um, so yeah, it was a great experience. I think. I think it was the best experience I had. No, I had to change my game. I had to change things, and that's what we did. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I saw the fight pretty much how you did. I thought you gave it a really good go for the first three rounds, really good. I mean, we see Brits go over, it's been happening for years and years, we see a Brit go over to America for a big opportunity, you know, Michael Buffer's announcing their name, George Foreman's on the commentary, first bell goes and they freeze, you know, and that was not the case here. You brought it to Roy, you put him on the back foot, he was on the ropes many times. Um, you didn't show him any respect, and, you know, it was anybody's fight through that first three rounds. I know that they all thought, you know, he won every round or whatever, but you, honestly, you brought it to him, man. Yeah, the father's fight, I give, give it a go. Um, a few days before the fight, when, 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 me, when me manager, because the manager didn't come out, Dennis didn't come out to like, after I'd been there a couple of weeks... And my worst, my worst enemy was myself. I used to overtrain. And when my trainer were telling me in America to strike, that's it, resting, I, I was going for runs. When my trainer come, <coughs> sorry, when my manager come over, I got cold sores and I'd, I'd overtrained. Uh, and he went mad. We had a bit of arguments. Uh, me and my trainer had a bit of an argument. But that was just me. I, I never thought I was fit enough, so I was running all the time. And I, I did wear myself down. So I did enter the fight. Not saying I'd have beat him at my best anyway. Slightly um, under under par, really. Um, and I just gave it my best for three or four rounds. Uh, and obviously then when he caught me, caught me with ribs, that was it. Um, I couldn't really do much then. He just kept targeting my me, me body. And he, he took away my fight, to tell you the truth. Um, but I enjoyed it. No, no, I know I lost. But I enjoyed the experience. I got paid okay. Um and I come back home, and again, what do we do then? We, we didn't. I, I didn't know how to finish. Didn't know how to do this. We, we didn't know what to do. Um, but actually, I've I've got a good wife and everything, and we we, we sat down and and I said I might I might carry on, and she said, "Oh, it's, it's up to you. It's up to do what you, what you do." But it wasn't a massive loss for me because I lost the best fight in the world. Um, I wish I could have had him two years later, uh, but. Because it, it was quite the funny thing about it. I think a year or I think a year or two years later, I'm ranked above him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm beating guys who are knocking him out. Exactly, exactly. Um, my last question on that Roy Jones fight. You know, obviously, you you walked out first as the challenger. Did you know he was going to wrap himself out? What was that like being in the ring while he was doing all that? It, it looked crazy. They, t they told me that he was going to uh, be a long time walking out. It didn't really bother me to so if I enjoyed myself too much. I was like. I just watched the crowd and <laughs> I was—I uh, just enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really have any nerves. It was weird. It was, it was though I was here to lose anyway. Um, I know it's probably not the right, probably not the right thoughts to have before a fight, but no, I was fighting a, a special fighter at that time, and I was just going to enjoy it. And I did. Yeah, because I was going to say, when the camera goes to you just before, I think maybe they, they were, you know, saying your name, Buffer, I think, was, was announcing your name. You was in the corner. I remember as he said as he said your name, you put your hand up in the air. And I, I, I read into, like, facial expressions a lot with boxing. Obviously, you know, it reminds me of, um, 
I don't know, Frank Bruno, Mike Tyson, where you could see that, you know, he just didn't look up for it, Frank. But with you, you just I just looked and thought, he does not look one bit nervous. So to hear you say what you're saying, it, that's exactly what I thought. I just thought, wow, it's like, he, he should be really nervous. You know, this is the best fight in the yeah, world. But... It, it's, fun, it's funny, uh, a lot of things like that don't really... After boxing, after boxing, like, I wanted to get do something what we're going to like, feel like boxing. So I, I did a few... Um, Parachute jumps, and even even flying, even when we were flying, when we were going up into air, like I didn't feel nervous. Uh, it just felt like a boxing fight for me. It was weird. Um, I don't really, I, I, I never struggled with my nerves, so I was alright with it. And after the Roy Jones fight, obviously you bounced back, three stoppage wins on the bounce, Sergio Baez, Arturo Rivera, Demetrius Jenkins. Now we arrive to Friday, November 7th, 2003. You box at the Hillsborough Leisure Centre against the road warrior, Glenn Johnson. Um, On the line, of course, the vacant IBF world title. This was the first of the eventual trilogy uh, of fights. This one ends in a split draw. Tell me about it, and did you feel you nicked it? I thought I'd won. I thought I'd won uh, j- just before the, the the last round. I actually put him down with a shot. He went down with a shot, and the, re- the referee um, put as a slip. But if you watch the fight, it, it is actually a shot I hit him with. Um, so I, I think if he if he if scored that as a as a knockdown, I would have definitely won the fight. Uh, but it was close. It was, it was a close fight, so I just thought we'd, we'd, we were going to do it again anyway. So we did it again, uh, and obviously, you know, you know what happened when we did it again. He uh, went beating me. A doctor actually rang me up. It was a doctor who rang me up, and he asked me about about the second fight. How did I feel of this, that, this, that? And I said to him, I said, all the way through training, I just didn't feel right. I was coming home, um, falling asleep. Um, before gym, I was falling asleep. So he did some tests on me. Did some tests, and we found out that I was slightly anemic. Um, and they just thought it was through the years of training hard and not getting no proper nourishment down me. That I just, I just wear myself out. So I had a bit of time off. Uh, I started having um, some tablets. I got a nutritionist. I more or less changed everything. My diet changed, and for me, uh, that was a change in my career because. I just felt a different animal. It was unbelievable. Uh, I've always said that. Uh, I used to always go on about nutritionists, always a lot of crap, a lot of this, a lot of that. But it did change me. I got a guy called John Clark, who were brilliant. And uh, I, was, I was just training harder. I felt better, running further and everything. Um, but that was, that, that, that was definitely a big point. And, and, and John Clark came in, was that after the second fight? After the second fight, yeah. Okay. After the second fight, I went. He's a friend who's got a, he's got his own gym. He's actually Mister, um, um, like a strong man. He's a strong man, but one's old, natural, natural, natural strong man. Okay. Um, and he was like a world champion at that, so he knew he knew his stuff. And we talked about it, and uh, he just put me on a good a good diet, uh, plenty of carbs, uh, and he just changed, he just changed. Um, I took loads. Of, I took loads of more. Um, obviously, all your supplements. Uh, he did. He did a weight program with me, and he did. I changed. My body changed. Uh, I trained harder, and and obviously, if you look at my career, that's when that's when I started getting all my wins again. 
Yeah, and and as you touched on a bit earlier, obviously after that second fight with Johnson, he goes and and, and goes and knocks out Roy Jones Jr. Um, so that happened in the meantime. Your next fight was an eliminator for the IBF title again back in Sheffield, October twenty fourth, two thousand and four. You boxed Jason Delisle. Um, you were down in the first round. You got straight back up. <laughs> you put him down yeah. in round seven, and he got the TKO in the twelfth and final round. Bit of a mad fight yeah. that one, then. <laughs> Do you know what I'm you know that fight? Uh, he put me down in what, what round? Second round? Second round? I can't remember what. Um, you know, when no, he, the first I, round. I know when he, he had you down. First round. round. When he put me down, I couldn't even remember how to buy it. I come back to the corner, corner went here, and I went that. And I just thought that I'd got old. I, I I didn't feel right in them first two or three rounds. I thought, oh my god, I've I've just lost it now. Is that it? Is that I've gone too long? Uh, and then as round went on, I started getting stronger again, stronger again. And I just I just knew I had to knock him down. I had to knock him down. So then I knocked him down and I stopped him quite late on, I think. Yeah, 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 you stopped him twelve. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I stopped him. And, and I was buzzing, but I were a bit like, have I lost it a bit? No, we were going down because I very rarely go down. Um, but then I was happy with a win. He was a tough kid. I watched some of his fights. Um, and it obviously got me um, eliminated for world again. Yeah, Glenn Johnson obviously decided to go against the IBF, uh, the IBF's orders. He went straight to fight uh, Antonio Tava, so he was stripped of the title. You got yep. the shot at the vacant title. This was your fourth world title attempt. You boxed yep. the undefeated Rico Hoy, eighteen and zero. Yep. The fight takes place in Rotherham. I'm sure I don't need to remind you of the date, but uh, what was the date? Go on. Uh, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. We Friday, watched. Friday, March the fourth, two thousand and five. <laughs> a TKO victory for yourself, round five as well. Um, talk me through the fight, and of course, what it meant to you to finally put your name in those history books forever. Well, when they told me I was like, uh, I was fighting for the IBF, I was saying, "Where Johnson's champion?" You no, know, they actually said that these guys didn't want any, anything to do with this with this uh, Rickoy. So they gave me, uh, they sent me some videos of this Rickoy. And I'm watching it. It's no line. I sat at home watching it, and um, he was just knocking them all out. He was knocking good fighters out, and I just looked at him and I thought he was he was a good boxer. He had a good jab. They could they had this awesome power. And I, I just thought, yeah, I can beat him. He's going to outbox me. Or he's going to outpunch me. So, so we decided to take the fight. I thought we'll take the fight and uh, see how we go. But I trained. God, I trained so hard. It's probably the best shape I've ever been in. In the changing rooms, I was I was flying. Every shot on pads was just bang, 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 bang. Even them in changing rooms, all like going, Jesus, I've never seen you like this before. And obviously going to the ring, and again, it ended up being quite an easy fight for me. But I hit him with a, with a shot in the second round. I think it was second round with a left hook, and it wobbled him. And I just knew then. I thought, I've got him here. I've got him here. He didn't like it when I stood. I did stand toe to toe with him quite a lot, and I couldn't miss him. I couldn't miss him. I'd done a lot of inside fighting uh, in my training. Uh, I just couldn't miss him with uppercuts and hooks inside. And uh, I, I don't think he would. Um, I don't think he was thinking that was going to happen. He thought they were going to move. Uh, and it was me who took it to him. It was a good fight. Um, he could punch again. Another he could whack. Um, but I was that hyped up. He was never, he, I was never going to lose that night. And I've always said, I don't care. Oh, it would have been that night in that ring. I'd have beat anybody that night at my weight. Uh, everything had just gone right. When, when you're training, just goes perfect. 
Um, and it was one of the only times that my training did go perfect. I don't want to make excuses for my loss, but I, everything just went perfect. Uh, and it was like one of the best days of life, really, winning Wales. And I never thought when I went well. Do you know what I mean? I never thought when I went Central Area. I won Central Area and I won them all. So that was, a, that was just like the cream. It was like unbelievable. Yeah, and it should be noted that obviously the fight before he fought you, he just beat Montel Griffin as well. So, um, yeah. 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 But he beat a lot of good fighters. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't just beat me, knocked him out a lot of them. I know he was... Uh, I, I watched him a few, like a few videos and when I'm watching him, he's just like hitting him and he's like banging out. And uh, I just thought, Jesus. But on the night, it was my night and it was... Uh, I'll never forget that night. It was unbelievable. Great night. Just try to remember the date, though. <laughs> um, six months later, Clint, and you made your first defence of the title against former WBO World Light Heavyweight Champion Julio Cesar Gonzalez. Good fighter. His record at the time, 38-2. and two. You served him up his third loss. Unanimous decision. 12 rounds at the Sheffield Arena back home. Walk me through that one. That was another good scalp. Yeah, a good fight. That he, he, he was a tough, he was a tough man. Him, uh, I'd watched a few of his fights before. He took Roy Jones twelve rounds. <laughs> proper hard man, proper hard man. Uh, probably one of the most hardest men I boxed. Tell you the truth, he were, when you watch him on video, when I watched him on video, he just didn't look uh, uh, hard to beat. When I when I watched him on video, I thought, yeah, I want to start boxing. Was going to move. Was keep out of his way. But when you're up against him, it's a different story. He's just got this this length for his arms. His arms were like double length for mine. It were like so. Again, I, I boxed him for a bit, but they actually I actually stuck it on him. And I found it when I stuck it on him. Uh, I got more of the more success. A good fighter. Yeah, he was a really. And good again, fan. he could he, he could punch. He was one of them guys who were just just solid. Uh, it's funny because in boxing, everybody thinks that the stocky guys were, were the punchers. The guys who are boxed, it's the tall ones that have always been the biggest, the big punches, the butt. Tall, uh, slimmer ones. Yeah, yeah. Andy Lee is another guy that don't look like he can punch hard. But yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, your, your second defence of the title came eight months after that, Clinton, at the Ponds Forge. You had the rematch with Jason Delisle. This time, obviously, he didn't put you down. This time, you were able to get him out of there in half the time, round six. Yeah. Tell me about that Here one. Here a time. It was a time when I was flying in, I was flying in training. Were, were absolutely, I was flipping. I mean, runs. I was just nobody could run with me at the time. I was just up and up and down hills, and I was flying. Just my weights were going good. Never struggled with weights. Uh, training were good. Sparring were good. The only thing that I would uh, gain a little bit, I would gain a little bit niggles with me, with my elbows. Um, but everything went perfect. And, um, and he, it was a night when um, Ricky Atten was fighting as well. He was fighting in uh, America. Uh, and uh, my manager decided to go over and watch Ricky. Uh, he had an involvement with Ricky Atten at the time. And he went over there. Uh, so I went like, it was a bit different that night. It was the first time he'd never been in the corner um, for a fight. So it did feel a bit a bit weird walking out to the ring without, without my man inside of me. But... He decided to go, go over with Ricky, and, uh, and I boxed, and uh, I found the fight so so easy. I just, in fact, I bashed him up. <laughs> uh, it, it took it took it took some hammer, to it, it took some right hammer. Um, 
and the, the finish what I finished him we were um, I think it was a, a jab and then I just stood back and right uppercut and he just went down with it and it was a, a good win a good win against probably not one of, one of the best opponents it was tough in our game but um, I'm not going to say it was like one of the best it was, it was a tough it was a tough kid Jason Delisle top kid as well really nice lad yeah, and you did love a rematch. I mean, you were the king of rematches. Um, after that was when you boxed Glenn Johnson yet again. Obviously, the third, uh, it was your third title defense. It was your third and final fight with Glenn, the trilogy fight. The date, September 2nd, 2006, Bolton. Um, it went 12 rounds again, so obviously you'd done 36 rounds with this man. But this time, you emerged victorious, split decision. Talk me through the yeah. fight and the feeling it must have given you to have the final say yeah. in this Woods-Johnson saga. Yeah. Uh, just, just a thing to say as well. No, my, my fights. I never had a choice to fighters. And uh, normally, like we say, I had these, uh, these, um, like two fights with Johnson and two, uh, three fights with Johnson, two fights with so and so, and two fights. I never had really had a pick of my fights. I never even had that. I know a lot of kids now get choice of who you want to fight. The only choice I ever had in a boxing fight was either Glenn Johnson or, or this other guy, and I picked Glenn Johnson. <laughs> and, it's quite good. It's quite funny because Glenn Johnson, nobody really wanted to fight him. So I fought him first, but obviously first fight I drew, second fight um, I lost. So it was the first fight with him, and um, he'd made quite a lot of money out of me bringing him out of flipping in that wilderness, really, because nobody wanted to know him. It was me, Russell brought him out, and he ended up beating Roy Jones and Tarver, and uh, so anyway, it's me and me and him again for the first fight, and uh, again I was absolutely on fire. Um, in in training, it would have it would have a bit weird, really, because I always think there was a bit of um, I don't know what's the word, it's ridiculous, pocus pocus going on. It was Frank Warren show. Frank Warren had, had already um, arranged for Cal Zagger to make a defence. Uh, sorry, Johnson's make a defence against Cal Zagger. That were already more or less done. Um, so we got to we got to the arena. I said, okay, oh, just uh, no. So, uh, the weighing. I said, okay, oh, just try out scales. So go on scales. Now I'm about four or five pounds over, which is, which is like unheard of. So anyway, I'm like shit to me then. So anyway, I, I'm in sauna, and it's the first time I've done it for years. Again, so, so I'm in the sauna for ages. And I come out. So anyway, I make on the, and then I go on the scales for the, the proper scales for the, and I'm like, two pound under. So I'm like, something's dodgy with scales. Something's been dodgy going on here. So anyway. We get to, on fight night. It shows to the changing room. Remember, I'm world champion. Shows to changing rooms. I don't give a shit where I go. But they put me in a changing room about the size of a flipping God closet. It was t- tiny. So it all kicked off, and my manager Dennis and my trainer are kicking off with other officials, and it's, nearly, it's, it's proper nearly fighting. It's like, and I'm like, I don't give a shit. That's it. Not hard. So anyway, they moved us to another changing room. Anyway, the fight happened, and it was a tough fight. It was like non-stop, but I just stood with him most most of the fruit fight. Uh, I had a bad round. I think we had a bad nine rounds where he looked like he was going to... Um, I wouldn't say I were, I were wobbled, but he caught me with some big right hands over the top. Uh, and then I come back 10th, 11th, 12th, and claimed him. So I knew I'd won it. I knew it was close. Uh, and obviously when the my arm was raised, I was like buzzing. The atmosphere in... Bolton Arena were unbelievable. Uh, but in the changing rooms, I mean changing rooms, and then the security card comes up to me and he says, oh, quick, so I went into this room 
and there's a table and there's cards on it, Carl Zagger, Glenn Johnson. So I sit there. I sit there and Frank Warren comes and sits in the middle. He went, I went, am I, am I supposed to be here, Frank? And he went, yeah, because you keep me consults and that. And then I was told two or three days later that me and Carl Zagger fight were on. My manager told me it were on and I started uh, training. And he fought um, Hopkins instead. I lost you for just a second there, Clint. And what did you say, sorry? I said, um, the, 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 I, I, I was told by my manager that the, the fight with me and Carl Zagger was on. Uh, um, he told me how much. I, think he t- I can't remember how much it were now. He told me how much it were and like I, I agreed. Nothing would have written down in paper. And then a few months later, it was just all cancelled. Um, it was at a time when I'm really struggling with my elbows. I'm having injections in them all the time. Quarter zones, really badly advised. Uh, it needed operation. And um, the the Gonzalez fight were coming up. Because uh, he, he, he got back to be number one again. I had to fight with number one again. Um, and I was fighting Gonz- Gonzalez in, in Las Vegas. But my elbows were so bad. And I think about three weeks before the fight was supposed to happen, um, I just broke down in gym. My elbows went... Uh, I went to hospital, got it scanned, and my tendon, my tendon had ripped off. Uh, so that one I could put an operation on. Uh, it put me back a bit. And then uh, obviously the Gonzalez fight were, were back on again. So I repaired, but the injuries, it did hamper my training. And, so. and, the, and, the, and the Gonzalez fight, the rematch with Gonzalez, was supposed to take place in Vegas, you say, but obviously ended up... Yes. Ended up taking yeah, it's place to be in Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's supposed to be in Vegas. It's supposed to be in Vegas. Uh, all my friends had bought tickets. All my friends had bought tickets. Um, so <laughs> the only good thing about it, I went over. I went. I just wait. I'll go over. Here. So uh, Rick Atten was fighting Castillo. Yeah, Rick Atten fighting Castillo. Possibly. Yeah, I think you were. Yeah, you were. It were, were Rick Atten's a big fight for Rick Atten. Uh, and I was supposed to be on that show, but I still went with old lads. We had a good time. Uh, and then I come back and then I started getting back. Well, I was, I was still uh, nursing my elbow from operation. And uh, I got back into shape again. So that was, you went you went out with the lads uh, to, to the Ricky Hatton fight in Vegas. That was after yep. or before the uh, the Gonzalez rematch? Uh, before. Ah, before. before. Okay, let's yep. let's revisit that just a sec. Obviously, it was your fourth title defense. Um, again, September 29th, two thousand and seven. Uh, yeah, the Gonzalez rematch, another unanimous decision over twelve. <laughs> tough yeah, guy again. Yeah, yeah, it was tough, but it was, um, training has gone all right. But I, like I said, I, was having, I, was having, I started having trouble with, with my elbow, the, elbow, the other elbow at that time. Now, so I had an operation on one elbow. Now my other elbow hurting. Um, but I trained well and I, I was fit. Uh, I felt as though the fight was going a lot easier than the first fight with him. Nearly stopped him in the 11th round. Uh, I think the referee was about to stop it, say so, and the bell went. And then in the, in the 12th round, I went out to try and finish him off. And I actually got caught with a shot and got cut. Um, but we, fin- we finished off him and we won it unanimously. Uh, I was happy, but I just knew that my um, career were like... I was in that much trouble with my elbows. I just knew it, it, it was, I was finding it hard, hard to train as hard as I could. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. And obviously after that, 
uh, was when you made the trip to the States yet again, this time to fight uh, former two-time light heavyweight world champion Antonio Tarver. The fight takes place literally in his backyard, Tampa, Florida, um, April 12th, 2008. Sadly, you lost your world title that evening, but a unanimous deci- uh, decision for, for Tarver. Tell me about that one. He was good when he, when he was on it, Tarver. Yeah, it was very good. Um, it was, on the night, it wasn't that even good. It was a sour bad. The relationship in my, my camp had uh, totally, totally died by itself. Me and my trainer had, had been a great partnership, uh, me and po- Richard Poxon. We weren't even talking. Uh, things had just broke down. And it was terrible. Uh, everything about it was horrible. I didn't want to go to America. Uh, I running up to the fight, I hurt my back really bad. and I, I wanted to pull out the fight. I was told I couldn't pull out the fight. Um, which people deny happened, and it did happen. Uh, it, weren't, it weren't a happy place in training in America. It was awful. It was terrible. Everything about it was terrible. The sparring partners were... I was fighting a six foot six foot three southpaw. I'd got two sparring partners in America who were probably five foot ten orthodox, but they said they'd go southpaw if I wanted. Oh, uh, it was shocking. My, my, my best friend from like being a young kid uh, watched everything and told me to, to get home, to come home. Um, I broke down in an interview with Sheffield um, Sheffield Sheffield Radio. I tell them not to play it. I just brought down, I tell them I want to get hammered. The training has gone terrible. It was shocking from from landing in America. It was shocking. It was an absolute disgrace, uh, the, the shape I was in. Um, it was the funny thing about it. Uh, me, and my, me, my manager, me and my manager have been like best mates all the way through my career. He had a little fallout one day in gym. And he, he said, I'm gonna, he's, he was going to fuck off back to her. Back to England. You were all. I was sat in this. I was sat in this gym one day. I sat there. I was underweight. Cause I'd lost that much weight. It was. Just, it was just a shambles. And anybody who was there will watch me train and watch me think. Will will say that. Um, people who were, were looking after me, manager, they'll say else. They'll say something different. But it was shocking. Um, I always. I always. <laughs> Recently, I heard of Sheffield. He's just glad the interview, and he says he's going to try and find it. I tell them not to play it. It was shocking. I just brought down, and I just says everything was bad. It was it was it was a horrible ending to my career. Take to that, that, that bit. Uh, I walked out to to the fight knowing I was going to lose. I just knew I was going to lose. I told me, I told me I told my wife not to not to tell that to America. I said, "Don't come. I'm going to get fucking hammered." Uh, and uh, I walked to I walked to the ring. Getting racially abused, which I didn't give a shit about, uh, and and after as well, and also, and I boxed in the fight. I lost. I didn't have nothing in me, nothing. How he didn't knock me out? To this day, I don't know how he didn't knock me out, um, because he could whack. Uh, and all they kept doing in the corner, just shouting at me. If you watch the fight, I couldn't do anything because I hadn't done it in training. It was shocking. It was shocking. Shocking. After the fight, if you see after the fight, I just I just want to get out. Um, I got out, went to the changing room, and there's a story. There's always a story in there about um, a lonely changing room when you when, when you lose, and it were a lonely changing room. Just me, me and my wife. We sat there. We went, went back to my room that night. I didn't want no, but nobody come to see me. 
And I signed that changing room, uh, in that hotel room, and I thought, that's fucking it, I finished. And, uh, and that was it. It was, it, was, it was an horrible, horrible night. In fact, it was a horrible, horrible couple of months because the training was shocking. Uh, I had a beat all. I was a favourite to beat him. Um, but everything just gone wrong. Uh, me, and me, me and me trainer had never spoke since that day. Wow. Um, it, 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 it was bad times. And, but <laughs> most boxers probably go through it. So the only reason why I decided to have a little to have a comeback, I never really said I'd retired. The only reason why I I come back, not for the money because there's no money in it anyway. Um, the reason why I decided to come back and have the last two fights is because I didn't want to finish boxing the way I had against Tarver because it'd been such a good career. I thought, well, I can't lose, can't finish boxing like that. So that's why I took the, took the next two fights. Yeah, and we'll touch on them briefly. Obviously, um, yeah, points win over 12 in that eliminator against Elvia Mariki in Jersey. And then, yeah, followed by another crack at a world title to finish things off. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's just touch on that real briefly. Obviously, your final career fight for the vacant IBF, your old belt. Yet yeah, again, you travel to the States, this time to fight the undefeated Tavoris Cloud, um, Friday, uh, August 28th, 2009 in Hollywood, Florida. You lose the fight unanimously. Um, yeah, tell me what you recall of that. Um, still fighting at the highest level of the, of the sport, I, I must say, till your last final fight. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I was training with Glyn Rhodes, one of my old trainers. Great bloke. I, I had, and the, and the, thing, the good thing about it is, the last couple, the last couple, few, two or three months, we're happy. Happy in boxing. Uh, we trained, we had a good laugh. Me and Glyn were like good pals. And, but, I knew in my heart I weren't training like I like I'd trained before. I just knew it. I don't know why. I don't know why. It weren't the money because I think God, for that last fight, I think it was something like thirty five grand I got. To take away it. So it weren't, weren't, weren't big money in it, so it weren't the money what I was after. I just didn't want to go out the way I did against Tarver. So um, we went to, we trained hard. Well we trained but we didn't I didn't train. I were I weren't doing my runs. I used to run from my house where I already couldn't countryside where I live, it's got these hills and that. I wasn't doing it no more. I was running but I was just doing easy runs. I was content. I weren't doing the weights with me, with me, with me, uh, my nutritionist. I really cut a lot so far. I don't know why I just wanted to uh, finish. I don't know. I, I, it was a weird my last fight. People who saw me train for you look like you're training hard to me. <clears throat> I always trained on, I always kept fit. But I just knew in my heart that I weren't training like I were. Anyway, the fight happened. Uh, and you know, the first two rounds, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be easy. Uh, but as the fight went on, I just didn't have it. I didn't have the motivation. I didn't have the, the killer instincts, what you need in boxing to like try and really. I just wanted to get from it. And, uh, and and that's what I did in the fight, to tell you the truth. He hit me with some big shots in one at rounds and, I walked back to the corner and uh, I sat there and I could see about 10 people in front of me. It was the first time I'd ever been like that. Yeah. And uh, I thought, and my trainer's going, right, that's it, just move, just move. But the, I didn't, little to know that the guy who were fighting were absolutely gone, bollocks. He couldn't, he could hardly. Because after, after the fight, I went to see him and he says, the last two rounds, he were like dead. If he'd have put it on him, I'd have stopped him. But I just I just went on light finger mode and and we lost we lost on points but I was happy 
I was like, I knew I was going to finish. Uh, me and my wife were happy, like, and that was it. So I, I had a good, like, good ending to me, even though I lost. <laughs> I lost, yeah. like, and but it was a good ending to me, and good ending to me fight. But I, I lost with a world title fight. A lot of people said, well, I could carry on, carry on, but I wasn't going to carry on because I didn't train like I should have. And uh, I didn't have it in me no more. I think I've been pro about 16 years. It was a long time. Yeah, no, it was. And yeah, you know, I guess, like you say, you knew it was it, it was over. Your heart wasn't really in it towards the end. But to bail out, you know, in a top-level fight, there's no shame in that at all. You you, you finish your career with a record of 42-5 and five with just one draw. Um, I've got a couple of real quick, quick-fire questions before we wrap it up. Right. Um, another man that's been on this podcast in the past, um, your former trainer, former heavyweight world champion, Tim Witherspoon. What was it like to work with him? Because, uh, yeah, he seems like a real nice guy. Nice guy. I went, I went over to Philadelphia to train with him. Uh, I spoke to a lot of his, lot of his friends. and a lot of The one guy who I believe was always friend or the proper friend, and a guy called Leo, who were, um, a white guy. We trained on the Black Ghetto. That's where we trained. Quite a good experience. I love it, you know. I trained on the young black guys. Anyone else went? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The guys, we had a good laugh with him. We used to have coffee with him in these little bars and things like that. And his friend, when he had a friend called Leo, this old bloke, and he used to always talk to him. And he used to tell me about stories about about Tim. And he just... He was just lazy, a lazy person, unfortunately, and he, he trained me as a lazy, not like I'd been trained before. Technically very good, but just didn't push me enough. Just didn't push me enough. And didn't push me enough because one of the fights we trained me for was a Johnson fight where I had to be really pushed. And um, I weren't pushed enough by him, and unfortunately we uh, we, we split after about three, about three fights. Yeah. But that was the only trouble with him. Great block. Top bloke, yeah, really but nice guy. As a trainer, is uh, like I say, his mate said he will never be a good trainer because he's too lazy. <laughs> unfortunately, but top bloke, oh my god, that's a good laugh for him. Yeah, really nice and, and, and doing also, he the experience of me going over to Philadelphia. I was there for like two months, a month, and then come home, then a month, and come on. What an experience! Oh my god, we think we're lucky in this country to have what we've got because some places where they, they were living. Oh my god, big eye opener. Yeah, no, I've been there myself. It's it's horrible around that place. Do you know? Do you know one day we got to the gym? The gym called the Shoulders Gym. Yeah, got I know the gym. gym one... I know the gym. Yeah, yeah, I know that gym. Got, got to the gym one day and there were three three dead bodies outside. Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, so I was like, they'd, they'd been shot, been shot there and then. Well, five minutes before I got there, coppers obviously moved us away. I was like, it just new world to me. I'm like, oh my god, it was like shocking. Yeah. It's down like a dingy little side road, I think. Yeah, a little, Massive, yeah, yeah. Underneath is the underneath is the garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. The guy who owns the garage, the guy, the guy who owns the garage, he owns the gym and all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Don't know something. When I finished walked in, I would call all sorts. Kill the white, this white, that white. <laughs> kill the white, the white. I'll fucking kill him and this that. Don't know something. I loved it. I actually loved the experience here. My main sparring partner, which is spar with a lot, that's Steve Cunningham, who boxed uh, Tyson Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to spar with him, mostly sparring with him. Uh, I can remember this, uh, this. I know I keep saying black, I don't know what I've said these days, <laughs> but there were these black blocks who were coming one day, and they were like really. Uh, look like a bit gangsterish, like. 
And he's like, and I'm sparring with Cunningham. And he went, who's that guy? He looks like Dempsey. And he went, I come over to him. I got talking to him and he went, you just fight like Dempsey because I was going forward against Cunningham going forward. And no, that's right. He just, it was a time before mobile phones with cameras and that lot. And I've got no photos of it and nothing. And I'm a bit gutted about that because I've got photos of kids in the little fire hydrants outside with water because it was so hot in the summer. I would have had some neat memories, some neat photos, but obviously it was a bit of time before camera phone. That's ah, a shame. <clears throat> but no, um, yeah, Steve Cunningham as well, top top, top man as well. Um, I want to ask you this one, Clint, and who do you feel was your best opponent all round? Like, if you look at all your opponent, all your opponents you face, who do you feel was the best all round fighter? It's got to be Roy. Yeah, Roy Jones at the time. Yeah, great fighter, great fighter. Roy Jones at the time. It was sad about Roy, Roy Jones' decline. I, I do believe when he went to heavyweight, he would never see him when he come back down. No, never see him. Knocked out, by, knocked out by Johnson. Knocked out by Tyler. Cal Zaggy had him at the slipping right time, unbelievable. We got him at the right time. Twelve, he still went twelve rounds, which I was very surprised with. Cal Zaggy was a great fighter. Not slagging Cal Zaggy. Cal Zaggy was a great fighter, but he got he got Jones at the right time. And I want to ask you as well, you, you mentioned a couple of times during this interview about hard punches. I think you named Crawford Ashley, you named um, Rico Hoy, but who was the number one biggest puncher you ever stepped in with? Ole Clemenson. Oh, wow. I didn't think you'd say him. Oh, my God. He oh could punch. You know, I'm sorry about him, but the first time I met him, I was, I was, paid, I was paid to go and spar with him in Denmark. Uh, so I went over, went over on my own. And uh, he was fighting for the world title. No, 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 he was fighting Crawford Ashley, the European. Um, and the spot, he just couldn't to try and kill me. Oh, my God. He And he was punching me. But I was a mover at the time. And he, he, I was getting away, like. Uh, so one day, I turned up and he said, one day, we're going downstairs. We're downstairs into another room. A ring was like the size of a icebox. And he totally just went for it, smashing me, smashing me. Uh I, I, I took it all like, and I, I was all right with it. Uh, but I, I went back and sat in this room where I was staying, so I was here for like two weeks. And I sat there and I thought, I looked in the mirror, everything's <laughs> all bruised. And I thought, oh man, this is hard work, this. I'll get into like 60 quid, oh no, about 150 quid a day, I think, like that. And I thought, God, this is hard work, this. But as the days went on, it was me doing the beating. And anyway, he boxed, he boxed, can you remember when he boxed Ashley? He knocked Ashley, he knocked Crawford Ashley out. Right. Cold. Okay, yeah, Quite yeah, big. yeah, yeah, I think so. Knocked her out. And then I won the European, because uh, Clemenson gave it up. I won the European, then I fought Clemenson. Um, and uh, obviously, he put me down with a big shot. That uh, was more embarrassed when I went down. For me, it was the first time I went down. And I went down, and I can't remember, he put me down. And I got up and I was like, my manager's going, calm down, calm down. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed because I, I, I was down. That were at Wembley, I think. Yeah, we were at Wembley. And I got up and I put, I, I put him down, knocked him onto the ropes, and the next round I knocked him out. But that's where the skinny boy from Sheffield come from, because everybody knows he's from the, from the skinny boy from Sheffield, because at the press conference he came up to me, he went, there's no I can lose to a skinny boy. And after five, I went up to cameras and went, not bad for a skinny boy. And that's where that comes from. Everybody calls me skinny boy because of that. I love that. But he could punch. <laughs> yeah, his record was something like... He was crazy, yeah. 57 fights, yeah. about 50 knockouts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But okay. a bully. 
it was the power was could, real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he could punch. And Clinton, was there anyone that you wish that you would have had the chance to fight, but for whatever reason it didn't happen? You mentioned Joe Calzaghe. Was there any others? No, uh, yeah, Dalmish okay. There was a there was a, a German there was a German champion at the time called Dalmish Michalewski. We did we, oh, we did go over to Germany to, to we did go over to Germany to try and uh, sign a contract uh, or went to see. Klitschko were fighting actually, so he went. Dennis went over to talk to him. It never happened. And Gonzalez went over there and beat him. That's who Ole, Ole Gonzalez beat for his world title. Right. If, if, if you can remember at that time, Roy Jones were unbeaten and uh, Mitchell Esker were unbeaten. Uh, but they won't fight each other. They're both champions, but they won't fight each other because they won't travel. But then Gonzalez went from Mexico to. Germany and beat Michaleski, who were long, who were a long reigning champion as well. Wow. Uh, so the Kalzaki fight, people always talk about the Kalzaki fight. Uh, I've always been an honest boxer. I think on on the certain night, the fight would have been a great fight. Um, but Kalzaki was something, he was something special. Uh, he was a champion for a long time, and that takes some doing. Um, so it would have been a, a really good fight. If I were a betting man, I'd have put one on Kalzaghi. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you well. as well. the day, he was, he was a great fighter. No, nah, he was. He was. He was excellent. Um, I want to ask you as well, your favourite win. I know you touched on, obviously, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a few. I'm sure you've got the, the Glenn Johnson free, the night you won a world title, and you, you talked about one earlier that I've forgotten that was a really big one as well. But what was your, what was your, the best win of your career, your favourite win? <sighs> favourite win? God, uh, it's got to be the Crawford-Ashley fight. I just think just the video, the, the actual, if you watch it on YouTube, the, the footage before the fight, it's just so, it's so against me. It's like, uh, well, we got Clinton Woods tonight. Uh, it wasn't really good his last fight. <laughs> uh, it's only a matter of time before uh, before he gets hit on the chin and he's like, and he's like, just dismiss me. Then through the rounds, they change, start changing the tune. Uh, for me, it's probably that one. I know winning the world title was a long time coming and a massive thing. But also the central area. I know people, I know people think, oh, the central area. I never thought I'd win a title. Central area was a big night for me, a really big night. <laughs> um, and that were in like a little small club in uh, in Sheffield. Uh, that were a great night. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys always talk about this. There's a club in there. In Sheffield, where they used to box all the time. Um, do you want to know something? Pine Grove, Pine Grove Club. It's been knocked down now, and everybody talks about the days at Pine Grove when I used to fight. The funny, one of the funny things about my career is uh, when I retired, we still used to get people, women, my friends' wives, phoning us up, phoning my wife up saying, Is Clinton fighting tonight? Because Blood still tell Mrs. that I was fighting and that. That, that was just an excuse to go out. <laughs> so, uh, no, but yeah, I had a good career. I, I, I had, I had, a, like I said, the time of fight was just the worst thing ever. It was horrible. Um, but I wrapped in the career. Good laugh. Uh, good time. 
people always ask some people ask me, would you change your I'd have probably changed, I'd have probably been a bit more business businessman like we That was actually gonna like, be that was gonna be my next question. I was gonna say, have you got any regrets and what would you go back and change if you do? Uh I'd have treated more like a business, which I didn't. Mm. Never really asked about anything about how much you gain, how much you do that. Uh, I'm I'm lucky because we did well. We, we did well with boxing and did well financially. We did all right. Uh, my wife's God Almighty! If it weren't for my wife, I don't know what I'd have. If it had been carried on boxing, I don't know. My wife's brilliant. She's totally um, not money motivated at all. She's really successful at business. What she does. Um, no, no regrets really. I think one of the big. I think one of the regret would have been is. Is not getting on that plane to fight Tarver. Should have pulled that. Yeah. That's probably the biggest regret. I'd have beat him. I'd have beat him. Uh, not through skill, just through uh, fitness. Yeah. That's the only regret I've got. That's, that's not a bad regret, I guess, to have. It's just the one. Um, my my final real question. I'm going to kind of throw two into into one here. Um, I was going to ask, and this is probably the most important question that I like to ask former fighters. I want to ask. Are you a happy man? We're in 2022. You sound happy <laughs> to me after retirement. You sound happy. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy, yeah. So to make him a... I'm 50 now. I'm a granddad. <laughs> I've been a granddad six years. With my oldest sons. My oldest son's 35. You know what I mean? So that makes me feel old. You do sons, how old are we? Hang on a minute. Wait, your oldest son's 35 and you're 50? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I'm a naughty boy. Wow, wow, I'm a naughty boy. <laughs> uh, he, he's, he does really well. He's got a good, a good little business. Uh, like I said, I've got two. He's got two kids, so I'm a, I'm a granddad now. I live in a lovely house. I'm, I'm, I'm actually stood outside now. All the way through this interview, I've been stood outside, and uh, all of I'm surrounded by countryside. Uh, it's, it's beautiful where I live. Lovely. Uh, I've got a gym. Me. I didn't earn enough money to not do nothing, so I've got a gym and I do boxing fitness. I set up an amateur club now. What's um, just taking off? So yeah, I do all right. We go away. We, we... I've also got I've got a son at seventeen who just turned seventeen. I've got a daughter who's fourteen. Uh, so it's just family life for me, really. Mom and dad still alive. Still, <laughs> they're still at it. They still I see them more or less every day. Go down to the house every day, have a cup of coffee with him. Yeah, we're all right. Beautiful, man. I love to hear that. That's such that's such a warm, excellent uh, end to this interview. It's brilliant that you know you're 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 so close with your family. That's what's the most important thing. Just finally, before we wrap it up, Clinton, if you've got any closing words, if you want to say anything you like at all before we let you go to the listeners, um, yeah, take it away, my friend. The floor is yours. Uh, boxing, I think I, I believe I had a great career. Uh, never expected to win anything. I went from a 22-year-old in trouble, more or less, well, locked up, more or less, every flipping weekend to winning world title. Uh, not many kids do that. And not many kids finish up after boxing with what I've got. So, uh, boxing is still, even though I'm not the massive follower of it, it's still the greatest sport in the world. So, regrets. I've had a few, but there you go, Excellent. Listen, Clinton, it's been yeah. a real pleasure walking down memory lane with you. Thank you so much yeah, for your time. Yeah. God bless you, and I want to wish you yeah. a Merry Christmas and a Happy New yeah. Year, my friend. Yeah. 
Thank you. Okay, and this brings the Box Hard Podcast 2022 Christmas Special Edition to a close. I've been your host, Joey Coastman, and Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A humongous thank you to our special guest, and he really was a special guest, former IBF light heavyweight world champion Clinton Woods. I hope, as listeners, you all enjoyed that. We did just over an hour there, and it was really good to listen to. I mean, I think Clinton is one of the guys in boxing in British boxing that doesn't really get the mentions that I feel he deserves really good fighter really good story hope you all enjoyed it uh, just want to sign out just by saying of course um, please do not forget it's your last chance to send us in your fighter of the year young fighter of the year 25 and under knockout of the year upset of the year British fighter of the year female fighter of the year fight of the year uh, trainer of the of the year if you want it, prospect of the year, I think I already said that, and, and your pound for pound list if you are brave enough. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Have a fantastic Christmas, and we'll see you all again for one more show before 2022 wraps up.